Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technator with Don Pezet. We've got a great episode for you today from our new studio here that we're really enjoying, especially since we kicked out that that fifth guy we had here. We've got a lot of <laughs> elbow room to really stretch out, and it's a lot nicer now. And I can feel this fan. Fantastic. Oh, you can feel the fan now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we do have actually we have six people on today's uh, episode because we are joined uh, remotely by Neil Modi and Oliver Wellington, the co-founders of Headliner. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Thanks for having us. I love the the beautiful background behind you and everything. It's really uh it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Is that a window? Is it really foggy outside New York? It's modern art. <laughs> it's actually, you yes. should, it's better than our usual view. We're coming to you uh from uh, from a WeWork conference room. That's what this is the kind of view we're used to. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to make it in the door. That really captures the the modern startup, right? It does. You know, co-founders in a WeWork conference room. Did, did you hear that story though about the umbrella that got stuck in the WeWork oh, I saw door a and that people of it. couldn't get into the office? Yeah. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> a great story. To, I saw that they had to come in from the, uh, the floor. That's Justin Fur. What's yeah? They had to like uh, die hard, like rappel in from yeah. the roof and shoot the glass. I think you're way overselling this. No, I believe that's what yeah. happened. Nah. Hey, well, I want to learn more about our guests and about headliners. So let's uh, go ahead and jump in with our our first segment: rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right. Uh, the first question is none of those, uh, but if you could, please tell us what is headliner? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, headliner is, uh, kind of the easiest way for audio producers, mainly podcasts to market their content out on social media. So if you, if you're familiar, like the rest of the internet outside of podcasting is very visual, uh, same reason why you probably guys are doing this video, uh, Video gets to a broader audience, uh, especially on social media. If you look at your feed, it's very visual with images and videos. And so we allow audio producers, mainly podcasters, to market their content out uh, outside of podcasting by converting it to a video. Uh, and it's it's uh, used by, I don't know, 60, 70,000 podcasters at this mm -hmm. point uh, and become kind of a go-to tool for marketing your podcast. So what gave you the idea to start uh, headliner. Yeah, so this story is kind of funny. Uh, it's kind of the classic uh, startup pivot story. So we had a, a mobile app. Our kind of Oliver and I, after our last company, we kind of got uh, we got thinking about podcasting. We both love the medium, uh, but also thought it was kind of tough for the average person to get into it. So we created this mobile app to record kind of voice conversations. Like think of it as like recording phone call conversations. Um, and that had some, some kind of traction, but when we shared out audio on social media, nobody was consuming it. It just couldn't compete uh, with uh, the splashy kind of headlines and images and, and videos mm -hmm. you see all over Instagram and right. Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, and so like one little feature of that app was um, people had said, hey, could, could, we, could you guys help us make like a kind of like a visual way to show, share it. So we made it in bed from the app. And then from there, people said, hey, instead of recording on this app, could we just put our own audio into your embed? 
And then that part of the app kind of just became the main thing people were using it for. And then we were kind of like, hey, maybe we should just focus on this sharing audio to social thing because there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. And hats that, off. That started. I was going to say ahead. hats off there for like recognizing a lot of times people be like, no, no, that's not how you use our system. Here's how you use it. And and to actually say, oh, people really just want this. Let's let's focus on that. That's that's a cool way to do it. Now, I know yeah. when we started our podcast, there was a lot that we didn't know. We made some mistakes. Uh, still I'm, a lot. I can think of one glaring mistake right now, <laughs> wow. uh, which is how and we Peter. addressed marketing. Yeah, <laughs> by hiring a marketing guy. Uh, so in you guys' experience, what uh, is the biggest mistake uh, that you have seen podcasts make, uh, especially when it comes to marketing? Well, I'll let so, Oliver okay. handle this one. Being the marketing expert. So I think like the, the biggest mistake podcasters make is to not put enough effort or any effort into marketing their podcasts. It, it's, I understand because a lot of podcasts are, um, you know, they take a lot of time to make. Um, and, you know, you probably may have another job you have to do. There's like not a ton of podcasters that are doing that for their full-time job 24-7. Um, but so you make the podcast, get it up in the directories, and then it just kind of sits there. And they kind of hope that the people, you know, they build it and people will come, but people aren't going to come. So they need to get out and do things to market it. Um, and so obviously one great way is to use headliner, but there are lots of other things they can do too. But I would say just do what feels comfortable and what feels right. And the thing like that you actually know you'll be able to accomplish. It's kind of like dieting. <laughs> what, like what is dieting? We're, we're not the, the, the crew to be talking about. Never heard of this term, what you speak. You. Yeah, but to your point, like even Joe Rogan has to go do those UFC fights um, because sure. he, you know, can't make money just podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think that applies here. Pretty sure. No, he does Fear Factor because because it's to support his UFC habit. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast. Plus, it was awesome. I've actually been watching a lot of Fear Factor lately, and it was it was highly entertaining. It's a highly, highly tremendous entertaining. show. Speaking of highly entertaining, I guess the next natural question would be, what is your favorite podcast. Now, wait for the entire thing. A, is it The Technado with Don Pizet? B, The Technado with Don Pizet? <laughs> or C, other? <laughs> I mean, Technado, Technado. Yeah, right. there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Depending on what side of the Mason-Dixon. Can, yeah. can I say A and B? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll accept that. Judges? Yeah, any yeah. any we'll other that. answers? Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, that's it. I appreciate it. the honesty. See, now the listeners are going to think you're lying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> both, like, both listeners. Like we, <laughs> both listeners. Yeah. We, they're like, they paid. definitely paid them to say that. It's just one person with multiple personality disorder. But. Well, question five um, is the same every week, and that is, uh, what's your problem? Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> do, we have, do we have time for that one? I mean, we can do now it's general. Just, uh, it's a little hot in this room, and I'm sweating profusely, but... Uh, Pro tip, fan. Yeah. <laughs> Justin has, oh, you've got a... Uh, I think our problem is there's a lot of awesome things we want to build, and we don't have 100 engineers. That's our biggest problem right now. Yeah. Seems to be going around. Now, you, yeah. guys are, you guys are in startup mode. How many employees are you up to now? Yeah, so we're eight people, uh, but working like we're 20 people, I feel like. That's, yeah. So Oliver hit the nail on the head. I think it's just like... Finding out as as much as we can. With no the one can believe. Capacity. No one ever believes what we've actually built when they find out how many people did it. So yeah, you said it was what sixty thousand podcasters earlier. Yeah, I think I haven't looked lately. We we're at sixty thousand. We just hit uh, 
like in January, we actually just had a million videos made on Headliner. So it came out January of 2018 and it's just been kind of on fire. Luckily scaling. I know I've been listening to your guys' podcast, uh, really. Uh, and all the like sysadmin things I used to have to do, uh, luckily with like cloud and AWS, we've been scaling a lot easier, but it's still painful. Uh, but yeah, we've, I would say we have something like 70, 80,000 podcasters and, and like over seven, 8,000 videos getting made a day at this point. Wow. Hey, congratulations to you guys. That, um, it's a good problem to have right there. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and I think you can tell from how many times we've said podcast, um, so far in this podcast that, uh, that podcast is our buzzword of the week <laughs> this week. So, uh, let's get into that. Success. Virus. Server. Pop three. Password. Cyber bullying. Say what? Buzzwords. <laughs> How many times have we talked about cyberbullying? Those were the the, uh, A lot. the three sounds that I could oh, find. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's coming like, up next uh, week, idiot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Can you tweet that you at me? Right yeah, you got you to write yeah, that just to me. Say Hashtag beeper. Oh, it's not cyberbullying if I just say it? All right. No. So um, we, we have a couple of articles here. Uh, the first one from TechCrunch that is uh, making a, a bold uh, proclamation here that 2019 was podcasting's breakout year. And I think about it now that, like, looking back, you know, podcasts have been around for several years now, but it was kind of an early adopter thing. And I, and I, I feel like the first time I heard my parents say, oh, I heard this podcast about such and such <laughs> was in this last year. So I'm going to go ahead and call that mainstream now. So w would you guys agree that, that 2019 was podcasting's breakout year and, and, and why? Well, I actually, my reason is almost the same as yours. Uh, so we've been kind of at this company for almost five years at this point, right? And my dad's never really understood what we do. But this year he said, hey, podcast, isn't that what you're involved with? And I was like, yes. <laughs> you went you crap. Now it's passe. <laughs> my dad likes it. The news, and now you believe it. When I say the word, you have no idea what it is. But, you know. So, yeah, I would say so. When your parents know what it is. That's a big sign. Yeah. You know, it's odd that both of you brought that up because this past year, my mom was like, how do I like upload something to be a podcast? But and she I wants was to like, make a podcast? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. that's even further than adoption. Yeah, well, well, it was like a friend asked me and they're wanting to do it. I want to know how to do it. And I was like, wait a minute. What? I don't know. I, that other people like Peter take care of that. What's her topic? She surveils her nose. Uh, it's moonshine, right? <laughs> yeah. It's got to be moonshine. <laughs> moonshine and cigarettes. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, we, podcast about moonshining. Yeah, that, I would. I would listen to that. Who would? Yeah, there was a, a highly successful Discovery show about yeah. moonshining. If Justin, <laughs> yeah, but that's fake though. If your mom is doing it, that's uh, that is a whole real. different story. All yeah. you hear is the the reflex coil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got an ASMR kind of yeah, show yeah. too. And see, yeah. that's where you'd need a video element to go yeah, along absolutely. with it, right? Uh, that. Makes yeah. sense. Here's that copper steel. When, when you, when you finally week. see the temperature gauge hit 170, you're like, oh, here's the good yeah, stuff. It's white yeah. lightning. <laughs> Last batch, Grandpa went blind over, but uh, yeah. this isn't going to be better. Well, Maybe <laughs> I should stop talking about specifics. I'm yeah. revealing too much. Yeah. 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 Yeah, if you go behind my mom's house, there's yeah, about like 200 yards. <laughs> yeah. uh, so our uh, other article on this one uh, from PacificContent.com, it's got 20 podcast predictions for 2020 from top industry leaders. Were you guys quoted in this? Are you industry leaders? We were not. We what? were not. Well, if there were 21 predictions, yes. uh, or 22, because there's two of you, um, what would your predictions be for uh, for 2020 for podcasting? Besides, Justin's mom finally gets her show. 
Um, I'll start. I, I would say that basically, I actually would argue that it isn't like, uh, I don't think it's fully mainstream yet. Right. So like, so some of that research in those articles are saying kind of one in three Americans have listened to a podcast in the last month. I think we'll get to like one in two, but like, I think there's just so much amazing content and it should really get to almost everybody. And, and so like in order to do that, someone has to solve that. And I think that can, uh, I think that can get solved this coming year. And I think Apple, Spotify, us, and some other people are like working hard on getting podcasting out everywhere. Um, so that's, I, that's what I think this coming year actually taking it mainstream. So it's as kind of ubiquitous as like YouTube or, or Google or social media in general. It's, it's getting there, but uh, the fact that we're talking about it means it's still not there, I think, but it'll get there. Well, yeah. yeah. My, my prediction, oh, sorry, you guys want to respond to that? No, no, I'd, lo I'd love to hear yours. My prediction is that this is finally the year podcast the musical comes to Broadway. <laughs> I'm seeing Book of Mormon tonight. I'm very excited. Are you really? Yeah, not on Broadway. No. In, down here in Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. I was like, you touring. should probably get to your plane. It's a, it's yeah. a touring production. Yeah. I thought it was just a bunch of homeless people. <laughs> no, it's actually a reading of Book of Mormon. Yeah. We're just going. It happens at the intersection now. Yeah. What were you right. going to say, Don? So, you know, a lot of the predictions centered around new players getting into the market, existing players merging, uh, hitting a billion dollars in revenue, or, or just money spent in podcast advertising, like a lot of different things all focused on growth. And I know 2019 was huge for podcasting. There, there, I've seen articles that said, like, podcasts are ushering in the cord cutting era that a lot of people don't need network television anymore. They're getting their entertainment from podcast. Do you guys think that this is a sustainable thing? Like, or is this a, it almost seems like a bubble. Like, are there too many podcasts now? And, and it's, and it's, so we explode. should save our money. And when it bursts, we'll buy up all the podcasts. Yeah. And don't invest in podcasts today. <laughs> yeah. Invest in podcasts. Gotcha. After the first. <laughs> what do you guys think? Are there too many podcasts? I know there I know it's hard to find, even though there are so many podcasts, it's hard to find one um, today, which is a whole kind of thing. You know, if there's a, you know, 800,000 podcasts in the directories versus like say Netflix has about 6,000 titles on it and they seem to be doing a pretty good job of entertaining people around the world. Um, I think the, the main issue now is just making sure that people can find the podcast that they want to listen to at the right time. And so I, I think that's going to be the big thing that starts to happen this year. Yeah, I would, I'll add, I don't think it's a bubble at all. I mean, it's basically like a modern day blog, which, you know, if you think about it in sheer number size, there's like millions and millions of blogs still are. Uh, and then secondly, I think like, you know, on-demand radio is kind of shifting, has kind of moved to podcasting. And so you have all the radio guys also creating content. And so if you think about car listening, you know, these uh, at home, at home devices, Alexa, smart speakers, yeah, smart speakers, and then, you know, headphones in your ear pretty much around, around the clock. I don't know about you guys, but like at the office here, people have their headphones in all the time and with uh, air AirPods. Airpods. Oh, damn it. I did it again. Airpods is a movie about yeah. a dog Fantastic that plays basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking Airpods of Oscars, yeah. Wired I was actually, Oliver <laughs> corrects me all the time. I call them Airpods. are the headphones yes. that changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> if I could ever get their name right. But with all that stuff, I think, uh, I don't think we're in a bubble at all. More, more great content's getting developed. Uh, we're definitely 
you know, for the average person like Oliver mentioned, who's not marketing their podcast, it's only going to get worse. Uh, but very so, similar to blogs, like the growth of blogging, right? Yeah. It, it just, I mean, because our last company uh, was actually, uh, we worked mostly with bloggers and kind of watched that whole explosion happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so this is very similar. Like the tools are getting there for people to uh, not only create their podcast, but now things are coming out to help them promote their podcast. And <laughs> yeah, I'm actually listening yeah. to a podcast right now, uh, another podcast. And I've got, that's why I have my headphones on. But a lot of the, the, um, the predictions in, in this article um, did talk about Spotify and Apple. So there's a lot uh, to be made about, you know, those big players really pushing it now. Um, and, you know, Spotify might make it easier for people to discover what they're looking for. So we'll definitely post the, uh, the link to these articles in the uh, description here. So, um, so take a look at and, and judge for yourself. But uh, we've got to go ahead and get over to the news now. So stay with us, guys, because we'd love to have uh, any opinions. Just, uh, just speak up and, and yell if you think Don is wrong um, about, uh, about these articles, which I don't know. Because uh, this first one, I was telling you, Don, I, I read over and over um, before realizing I didn't know what the words meant. Uh, so this one is on Pharonix.com. Linus Torvalds doesn't recommend using ZFS on Linux. And wow, that that Obviously. blew me away. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I can tell. Don, you. please explain what we're talking about. Here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So ZFS is a file system that is wildly popular with people who use large storage appliances. In fact, like the. Uh, uh, like OpenNAS uh, software solution or, or FreeBSD has kind of embraced ZFS to a degree. Like the freezer I have in my garage. Uh, if it runs FreeBSD. Large storage. Large storage. Yeah. I, oh, that, I thought yeah. you were saying FreeBSD. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's a weird operating system to run on a fridge, but whatever. I'm sure it could do it. I'm sure it could. I like how he went stable. straight yeah. to his deep freezer. Yeah. Exactly. So right. one of the challenges with ZFS is that uh, it was developed from Sun Microsystems, which means it was wrapped up in the Oracle acquisition. So Oracle owns a number of the rights to ZFS, uh, and they've released it under a, I believe, the CDDL license or you know one of the, the non-GPL license, basically. And so for years, Linus Torvalds has said, we can't put ZFS into the Linux kernel because of that license, because it's not compatible and we could get sued. Um, there was a change made to the Linux kernel in the last release that broke the ZFS or OpenZFS support, where it's a module that's kind of bolted onto the kernel. And people are complaining, saying that you know the, the Linux kernel maintainers broke ZFS. They didn't care about it. And so Linus came out and said, no, we don't care about it. We didn't do it intentionally, but we don't care about it because that's not code we can use. We're not going to support that. We don't break user land. We protect our user land applications. But if you're writing modules that tack onto the kernel that are not compatible with our license, that's your own problem. Uh, now, all of that makes sense. But then he added a few extra comments on and said, nobody should be using ZFS anyway. The metrics that I've seen uh, don't show the performances any better than, than the other things that we have, and it's not even being actively maintained. And the community went nuts because there's been like 40 pull requests this year alone, and it's only January. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's certainly being maintained, and there are certain scenarios, especially on large storage devices, where ZFS has better performance. And so it's created a bit of a, uh, a ripple. But I'll tell you, from my standpoint, I never use ZFS in production. Well, what are the other options? Because you mentioned he said, you know, use the other yeah. things out there. So in, in the Linux world, you're usually going to see EXT4 and XFS. So like Red Hat has really put their their backing behind XFS. Uh, Ubuntu, or the canonical guys, they're still supporting BTRFS, which uh, is... is the Korean that, boy band? Uh, Butter. 
Butter, butter, butter FS, butter, uh, butter FS. Butter they, FS. People call it different things, uh, but even that one, I don't use BTRFS in production, and that's because, uh, like, if you use its any of its RAID functionality, it is a recipe for data loss. Uh, so it's still not perfect. Uh, ZFS, on the other hand, is really stable. Some people do like it. I, I wouldn't run it. <laughs> that's one of those things where it's not being actively maintained. I guess that's a matter of perspective. At some point, because yeah. I, I look at projects and I go, well, they've had a pull request in the last year, so that should be fine. He's like, nah, it's not good. Um, the, the ZFS, if if you use the RAID functionality, because that's the whole purpose of like the FreeNAS project and stuff, is they use ZFS because it provides like software RAID. Is that something that I should be worried about if I got something running at my house? Now, people who are serious about storage don't use the software RAID pieces, right? Because hardware RAID is dirt cheap and way more reliable. So they're usually going to be using things like the uh, dynamic snapshotting and, and other features of that file system, super large volume support, uh, data redundancy. You know, there, There's all sorts of other features that attract people to that file system, but it doesn't affect the normal average user. And, and when I say average user, I don't mean end user. I mean like a sysadmin. Your average sysadmin doesn't give two craps about some of this functionality. Uh, you know, that that's kind of how that one falls down. Yum. Or, I, I get it now. <laughs> good good I, feedback, guys. Didn't understand it. Now got it completely. I'm you glad guys, we cleared it up for you. Neil man. Oliver, you guys uh, got that now? <laughs> there will be a quiz uh, after this. Do yeah. you guys have any other recipes for data loss? <laughs> DD. <laughs> yeah, the data destroyer, baby. That's right. Mess, every time. mess up your input and your output to dev null. Say mm. goodbye. It is all over, son. Really big magnets? Right. Yes. Thermite. No ZFS uh, to add to that. No ZFS. Yeah. No <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at our next article from The Verge. Microsoft's Windows terminal is getting retro-style CRT effects, search, and more. It's a nostalgic trip back to the days before LCD. And so this is kind of cool. So you're basically taking, uh, you know, the, all the functionality, the, the new stuff, and, and some new features, it looks like, and just getting a new skin on it, basically? I know what this is for. Oh, this is for government employees who are still running Windows 3.1 on their CRT monitors, the but when screen. they go home, they're like, what is this? <laughs> and so this is this is just uh, for them. To yeah. calm them down. Well, what's funny yeah. is Linux has had this for at least six years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if you look back in our, our YouTube catalog, I did a how-to install cool retro terminal like five years ago. <laughs> And did this exact same thing in Linux. So this this is another big thing from Satya Nadella since he took over as CEO. You know, for 20 years, Microsoft did not make a single change to the Windows terminal. It was in the same form it was from way back in NT4, really unchanged. When Satya took over, there was a much bigger focus on developers and the way developers work. And that's why you saw products like Visual Studio Code came out, which is a, a really easy-to-use electron-based text and code editor, uh, and you're starting to see other things, like they released that uh, the font, a specific font designed for developers that did, oh shoot, I'm going to forget the name. What is, is it? Ligatures? Ligatures, there yeah. we go, thank you. Um, which is not the thing that attaches muscle to bone. It's uh... That's ligaments, but ligatures <laughs> are something you might see on crime shows. These are the symbolic characters that replace oh, yeah. combination of characters, like the equal or greater than sign becomes actually like an arrow looking thing. And, and even ligature marks. Even simple functionality like cut, copy, and paste, which you really couldn't do with keyboard shortcuts in the terminal, which was insane to be missing. That's stuff you had in the Linux and Unix world forever. And now we're starting to see some of that roll through. And now we're even seeing some of the fun stuff. So if you want the CRT effects and little bells and whistles, you're starting to get that too. So really cool stuff. Real quick, does this mean that if I stand back from my computer with the CRT effects on and I take 
a video of it with my phone, <laughs> do, do I get to see the lines? So yeah, it, it does do that. It gives you like scan, well, at least the ones. But you see I've it with seen. the naked eye, don't you? Yeah, like, you see it oh, with it, your phone. it just does it. So I, that was something <laughs> when I was a kid that always freaked. I'm like, what is wrong with those monitors? Like you'd see news reports or stuff, and there's like a, a TV. In that's the, the government, son. They're coming. They're getting into your brain. Well, I, obviously, that's that's second nature. What was it like? Every thirtieth frame was supposed to be propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> see, now that's marketing. Buy that's war bonds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why there's, yeah, there's too many podcasts. We can't get them all in at that one frame. So where's the market for every 30th frame? Can I start that secondary market? I think so. Here's what we need. To bullet Sudo in Windows. Oh, bro. I, if I could get that campaign going, I'd be so happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I garbage. escalate the, privileges? The fact that I have to open up a different terminal just and, to, and just to elevate privileges. Oh, my. Every time. Every time. Peter is right on board with us. No, yeah, 100%. Like, pseudo. <laughs> do, you, do you even use a Windows machine ever anymore? I don't, actually. I'm on, yeah. I'm Better on version of judo, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Is that that's the thing with the numbers where you try to get like ten numbers? That's Sudoku. Yeah. Sudoku. Sudo. Yeah. Is, is it something else? It's Sapuku, yeah. isn't it? Sapuku. <laughs> no, no, that's Capricorn <laughs> suicide. <laughs> wow, we took a turn there. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So similar. How's your work? freezer working? What? So how do I get this? Is this just in the uh, in the latest uh, update from? Uh, actually, it's in the fast ring right now. So okay. it, it'll come out for people that are in the. Uh, uh, insider program. We'll get it first, and then it'll roll out to everybody else probably around March. By the way, unrelated, but um, kind of related to to Windows, isn't today one of the end-of-life days? Windows you know, 7. We didn't pick that article. We probably should have, but today yeah. is yeah. the last day of support for Windows 7. That's not Windows 7. That was XP. <laughs> That's the sound effect I had here, so... Yeah, yeah. So if you're running Windows Seven uh, today's, in, in theory, the last day you'll get security updates unless you steal them, which is uh, a crazy idea in and of itself. Uh, there's Wait, whole hold websites. on. Back up. You can steal security updates. Yes, you can. Yeah. So uh, who's if you, making them? If if, if it's you not pay supported. Microsoft, uh, oh. it's like fifty dollars a year the first year, a hundred dollars next year, two hundred dollars next year. You can get three more years of support out of Windows Seven, and people are actively collecting those updates and repackaging them. Uh, so it's kind of like a bootleg market for security <laughs> updates. And I'm sure you can trust those. And so yeah. you think this is a security update, and really it is the. Uh, yeah. I got, I got my security update from Pirate Bay. It's great. Yes. Process tells me I got to update. <laughs> Didn't say where it had to come from. So, Neil or Oliver, do y'all still use CRTs in your company? Or? <laughs> yeah. start uh, that's what their whole website's running on. <laughs> Something actually kind of funny about this is um, we have a really cool, hip person that does branding and design on our team. And... Uh, she showed me the the latest like video template style she did. She called it Windows 95. <laughs> it essentially takes podcast art and information and makes it look like it's being popped up in a old Windows notification, which I don't even think feels finding that out for the first time. Yeah. Does it ask me to update Flash? <laughs> <laughs> it's like bell bottoms. You know, all fashion comes back right. around again. People get nostalgic. There's all things old or new again. I don't miss them at all. Yeah, I saved <laughs> all my old windows because I knew my kids would want them. Yeah. You know, See, you got to pass them down. That's part of the wheel. Yeah. You're talking to a guy who has every version of OS 2 sitting on his shelf. So, oh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because this is my Do we have an ogre, say, a nerd on here? Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to get that. Yeah. yeah well, I'm not going to record, record that after. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. All right. Our next article is over on Endgadget. Spectrum's exit from home security leaves people with useless tech, and uh, customers aren't getting much in compensation either. So, Spectrum. 
for those that that aren't in one of their areas, that's that's a cable company, right? That's like correct cable and internet, Xfinity or Cox or any of those. So basically, they're just saying, yeah, we're we're not going to do that anymore. So cable companies are are under attack, right? In that a lot of people are cord cutters. They're moving. People are moving to podcasts, uh, not ours, but others, and <laughs> and people are getting entertainment from places other than television. So the cable companies are having to branch out into new services, and we saw that early on with internet, which really saved the cable industry. They, they would not be where they are today if they didn't start offering internet. Then with telephone service, so all of them offer digital telephone. Some have gone even further, offering home automation, things like security systems, doorbell cameras, or cameras all throughout your house. Uh, yeah, VoIP phone thermostats, so yeah. they can make sure to market to you appropriately after they gather all Absolutely. of your all of your. You're like every day, Justin goes to the refrigerator, gets a cup of yogurt. Maybe we should show him yogurt commercials. Mm-hmm. No, he seems to be fine. Yeah, in that fine. area. And you know, for for one of us, if we decide, you know, hey, I, I want to have an automated thermostat. We would do a little research. We'd find one, you know, maybe a Nest or something else. We'd buy it. We install it, right? We're tech guys. Is what we do. But if it's your grandmother, she's probably not going to do that. I mean, there's probably some techie grandmothers out there, but not many. So instead, when the cable company says, hey, for 20 bucks extra a month, we'll put it all in for you. That's, that's a no-brainer. It's easy, right? And they get all the great technology and go with it. The problem with hardware as a service, and we're seeing this more and more, is that when the service decides to shut down, when they decide to discontinue service, the hardware becomes useless. And they give an example of one guy who had just paid about $900 to get cameras and thermostats and other things put into his house. And now the Spectrum is discontinuing service. The tech is useless. Like You can't use the hardware without Spectrum offering that service. And once the servers are shut down... It's useless. I, I, I had a hot flash when I was just uh, getting flash. sweaty, just thinking about giving my grandmother a smart thermostat because I can imagine, uh, yeah, it's not working. Like phone calls out the wazoo no, to me. So You I, are your family's tech support. I am. But then you I could am. just ask Alexa to fix it remotely. Uh, we just destroyed like a bunch of people, all three people listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. It's Google. funny. When you said there was a guy who paid $900, it was like an unrelated article. That guy paid $3,000 for a box truck and fertilizer. <laughs> Started looking for their company. So uh, is this one of those things where this wouldn't be so bad, but most of these companies always like shut it down to where I can't like – change firmware or something yeah. like that and take over maintenance of these respective devices, right? Yeah. Think about like an Amazon Echo, a Google Home, an Apple, what is Apple's assistant called? Stupid. Uh, who cares? Yeah, or, or HomePod or, <laughs> hey, or whatever. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> those, things, those things rely on the servers on the other end, right? And, and once those servers shut down, those devices are useless. Like you can't do anything with them. And, and occasionally somebody in the hacking community will find a way to reuse them. But for the most part, it just becomes e-waste. And that's, that's our future. That's happening more and more often. Well, I still have that Foscam. And so what's cool is I don't have to um, I'll get monitoring for you. because <laughs> no, the, you the Chinese government is one. just watching no, no. me at all times as well. So I have a feeling like if someone like, You're was breaking in, they would be like, hey, you know, watch <laughs> Did out. you see that video of that lady who's her, her Foscam or whatever got hacked into and the the hackers were yelling at her and well we talked about a couple weeks ago um, before you talked about the ring one where it was someone said they were santa claus and talking to the the kid kid, yeah that's a problem which that's creepy so yeah i snatch it off the wall neil or oliver y'all big like home automation iot kind of device geeks no it kind of freaked me out to be honest you're a smart man (laughs) but only because our home is not properly zoned and they have that feature where you can kind of control the temperature in different rooms but other than that no not inviting 
yet another device into my house. No way. <laughs> but in New York, do you even have room for you know an Alexa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I, mean, I, I was, was like, going to say my apartment has no need for any of this stuff, so <laughs> I'm kind of out of the loop. But yeah, my I kids mean, though they love the stuff. They yeah, have all yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need a camera when I can see the entire space from right where I am right now. He's like, I have an Amazon Echo in every room. I've got one of them. (laughs) In my kitchen bedroom. (laughs) Bathroom. Yeah. Tiny homes, that was a thing, right? Still is. Still is, is, yeah. Sure. I I don't know. Are are those people still in those homes? Yeah, yeah. There's like a huge uptick. Especially up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I stayed in our... They're big in New York. No, they're big for New York. Oh, they're big for New York. I was like, that would be weird to drive into the city and be like, where are all these tiny houses? Like, you have 200 square feet? (laughs) What is this, $1,700 a month? Yeah. All right. All right. Our next article is from TechCrunch. Mozilla says new Firefox security bug is under active attack. What's not? Dun, dun, dun. Frightening noise, yeah. This, the title of this article was kind of weird to me. Is am I alone in that? Yeah. So the the, the wording is a little weird, and and it's because they're they're trying to draw attention to the wrong thing. Uh, there, there's security vulnerabilities in Firefox all the time, right? Security updates get pushed out. It's not that big of a deal. Usually, we hope a security researcher finds it and reports it, goes through responsible disclosure, the bug gets fixed, everybody has time to update, and then it gets publicly announced. What's different here is a security researcher found the vulnerability, did responsible disclosure and reported it but it was already being exploited in the wild. And so the reason they do responsible disclosure is because we don't want to help the bad guys out. We don't want to tell the bad guys, oh, hey, here's something you can take advantage of that we haven't updated yet. So they keep it secret, right? But in this case, it was already being exploited. And so that's a big deal. And they've been really tight-lipped about it because, again, they're trying not to share that information. But an update has been created. If you run Firefox, you absolutely need to be pushing to the latest update, which is 72.0.1. Firefox 72.0 just came out like three days ago. So if you think you're up to date, like, oh, I just updated the other day. It's been too long, so you need to update to 72.0.1, and I'm sure more details will come out as time goes on. Did I, did I read this right? This, uh, this bug allows essentially arbitrary code execution outside of the sandboxed environment, right? Correct. Right. So in theory, with Firefox, every tab runs in a sandbox, that it, it's isolated, and this, this bug is bad enough that it allows somebody to escape the sandbox. Mm, JavaScript. It, well, <laughs> I, did the, um, I did the patch. I installed the patch called Chrome. Yeah, yeah, that's one way. To and it, yeah, it seemed to fix. And now you have no RAM. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, oh, you're to hear my fan. Yeah. yeah, your computer's smoking. And I need that fan, fan actually on yeah. the floor to go ahead and shoot on this computer. Well, now that uh, Microsoft Edge, I think that was another date that passed this month, right? That Microsoft oh, Edge. Oh yeah, the, the Chrome core. Wait a minute, that might be tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? So soon, the there's really only going to be two browsers: Chrome and a million reskins of it, and uh, uh, Firefox. Let's see when actually, Peter, you bring up an interesting point. He's like, I installed Chrome. This is this was an O day. Like, (laughs) there's O days for Chrome. Nobody knows that they're out there until they go. Oh, what's this? Oh, this is actively being exploited. This is Firefox actually told us. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you think Google would tell you? Come on, that's just crazy. Uh, I don't see. What are all these extra Chrome processes that say (laughs) TCP connection? Yeah. Uh, January 15th is the release date, so uh, this podcast is being released on the 16th, so it was yesterday. Wasn't that crazy? (laughs) Or... You remember that? For us, it's tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, all the crashes, it was crazy. Man, are we in the future? We are. (laughs) Yeah. 
It is crazy. Yeah, and podcasts are really, really taking off. You got to do the rest of the podcast as Marty McFly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. Are you late? <laughs> Always. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we've got a, what, one, one more article here. Yeah, right. last one. One more article. Yeah. Uh, also on TechCrunch, a billion medical images are exposed online as doctors ignore warnings. And after reading this article and, and the comments, uh, it seems that the doctors ignore warnings part is a little misleading. It's more it hospital be, administrators and their IT staffs. It and, should be doctors' offices ignore warnings. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, most doctors don't even do this imaging. They send it out to radiology. But, but, but some of the issues that they're having are those transport. Are sending those back and forth. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, if, if you're the kind of person that really you know, enjoys looking at those kind of images. Well, I think uh, hey, if you, if you read through the article, one of the, the worst things is some of these images have embedded metadata that have like social security number and like they use social security. I don't for, think it said it was metadata. I think it was like a splash page. Yeah, but I think you can say, add it. Here's the guy. Like here's, here's Justin's you know, thyroid. Yeah. And he lives here and his yeah. social his and his social. first pet's name was. Well, yeah. it's the file format, right? It's like saying that that stuff is basically embedded in, in but the there's file. been it's a part of yeah, the file, to the file yeah. format that would address this, but no one's upgraded from what I understand. Well, but that might break stuff, that. Justin. I know. So the, the, the way they explained it is that uh, years ago, they decided that doctors need to be able to share information, right? Patients move, Stupid. and you want to be able to get access to this, and you don't want to go and sit for a CAT scan or whatever every time you visit a new doctor. So the problem there was different doctors use different software. So they wanted to come up with one format they could use to exchange data, and they came up with this one. I forget what the extension is, like SD. Dicom? SDMIL? Yeah. Oh, Dicom. Dicom, That's it. And so it's a container. And you can put practically anything in the container. X-rays. What does that mean? It's like a like a zip file almost? Yeah. It's like, okay. Very similar, except it also has a table of contents, basically, of what's inside it and where the bits start and stop and all that other good stuff. So that can then be transmitted to a different system, and the other system will be able to interpret that and reuse that data. The thing is, they then went a step further and said, you know what, let's create a server called a PAC server that allows hosting up these images and exchanging it between the systems. And that PAC server, apparently they don't have a good hardening guide for it or just nobody has ever read the hardening guide because it transmits these files and, and in its default configuration doesn't have a password. So if you can connect to the server, you can access everything that's on it. And many doctor's offices were putting the server with a public IP directly connected to the internet. Once attackers or hackers found out about that, they were then able to scan the internet and identify PAC servers all over the place. And that's what led to the 61 million image or uh, uh, 61 million patients, billions of images. I don't even know if you're a hacker at that point. You're just like a web browser. (laughs) (laughs) A lot lot of hacks really boil down to this unlocked door that you have. Like, what's this? Ah, it's a big data dump of stuff. The, the fact that the door is unlocked doesn't matter. It's That's the fact true. that you found the door, right? Yeah. It's yeah. somewhat hidden. No one will ever guess these numbers. Now, what got me about this article was I, I, I did like Peter. I read down in the comments and everything, and somebody had mentioned Project Nightingale. And then I was like, what's this? And so I started following, and it's big tech companies are vying for your medical data to do the processing on it. And Google has Project Nightingale. It's just like this huge, we're there. They are a big player in processing medical data and extracting the information that makes and sense. using it. However, yeah, 
Yeah. I'm getting the, yeah, there's specific ads for that type yeah. of yogurt based on. I didn't know I could pick my hip replacement. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know you have IBS? I'm sorry. Yep. You do. You do. We just let so. you know. Yeah. By the way, Google also provides email. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kept scrolling down because I was waiting to get to the point where it said, uh, and so fix. they've been fined because of the HIPAA violation, X amount. And it basically sounds like there's too much out there that even if they wanted to find everybody, they they couldn't go after them. It's it's just too much data out there. So that's uh, terrifying, I yes. guess, would be the word. Yep. Welcome to the digital age. And and this is why you've seen so many people speak out against things like 23andMe, where once you've sent off the blood sample, once they've sequenced your genome or whatever, like you can't take that back. That's now in their records right. that's able or already right, subpoenaed. Right, because you consent for them to have it, right? Yeah. When and you sign up for the service. And effectively, then the government has your information, all of your information. Like, you, you know, your DNA, that's pretty much as far as it goes. This is one of those those sectors where not necessarily doctors, but their IT team and such, not hardening things. Uh, I've read several articles, not recently, about the education industry is also similar. So you can get a lot of information because they go, ah, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. We'll just transmit all of these kids' information in plain text. We don't have to abide by it. But technically, through FERPA, if I'm not con- wrong, you're supposed to, nope, lock that down. Yeah. Most education. So through Furbies? Yeah, Furbies. Furbies. How am I yeah. supposed to like open credit cards if I don't have that information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's that's great. Yeah. Yep, Man, so we need to find like happy like articles, happy articles yeah. or something. Yeah. This one is just it's another another kind of push in that direction of everybody paying more attention to how their data is being secured and and maintained. You know, privacy is an important thing. All right. Well, uh that's going to wrap it up for the news for us today, but we do have more Technative. We're going to take a quick break, so uh we'll be right back after this on Technative with Don Pizzette. The IT Pro TV app is available for iOS and TVOS. The modern user interface makes navigation easy. Recently watched videos can be found on the home screen, as well as our daily live streams. Choose landscape mode for larger viewing. Access the entire course library by clicking on the play icon. Navigate our content by category, certification, and job role. Learn where you want and when you want as a premium annual member by downloading episodes for offline viewing. Watch on the go and pick up later on any of your favorite devices. So head to the App Store and download the IT Pro TV app. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pazette and... You know, that's the news and uh, got to know our guests today. But I uh, want to thank you guys for taking the time with us today, both uh, Neil and Oliver. Um, and thanks for, uh, you know, bearing with us as Don confused us with all that stuff about Linux and everything. No, that was thanks for having us. That was amazing. It was like <laughs> uh, grad school all over again. I, I was uh, I haven't heard of ZFS in a long time. It was the first time experience. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, Richard. definitely. And and if people want to uh, use Headliner, if they've got a podcast they're starting up, or you know, Justin's mom wants to go ahead and uh, and find out about where she can make videos about her still moonshining mom and her adventures. Oh my God! See, there you go. They were Boom. really. I, do I get to trademark that? Since take it off. Yeah, no, it's trademarked now okay. that you said cool. it. I think. Yeah. Bye, yeah so so where can they uh, reach out to you guys? 
Sure. You can find us uh, <clears throat> online at headliner.app. That's headliner.app. Or search for Headliner Video in the Android or Apple app stores. Oh, you, uh, yeah, that's right. I did look on your site. You guys have a mobile apps. So you can actually create the videos and stuff right there in the mobile app? Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. that easy. And, uh, and we have a promo for for all your listeners uh, for our, our our kind of pro tier. Uh, so we'll send you guys the link that you can you can include in the in the notes, uh, and hopefully your listeners uh, will get a kick out of Headliner. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll put that in the description as well. So look for that on the uh, on the YouTube description uh, down there. And uh, we'd love to hear if any of our uh, our listeners are actually using Headliner as well. So uh, thanks again, guys. And uh, before we let everybody go, I want to let you know about a couple of quick things. We've got um, some webinars coming up. There's actually one that we're filming today. If you haven't gotten enough of Don and you happen to be watching this the day it comes out on uh, Thursday, January 16th, we've got Are You Ready for DASP? Part two, uh, desktop as a service. We're doing a deeper dive into Windows Virtual Desktop with Mike Roderick. Um, and uh, yeah, Don, you're actually filling in for Wes on that one. So I don't know if you knew that. I, I did. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, you can head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. Uh, also have one next week on the 10 qualities of a help desk pro. Uh, that is with Joe Peacock and Wes Bryan. And they're going to be talking all about um, how you can uh, work your way into help desk. And I, I think we talked about last week how you can... You know, just keep working your way on through and, and on all the way out of help desk. CIO position <laughs> that you're looking for, I guess. Into truck driving. Yeah, into <laughs> truck driving. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, all over at itpro.tv slash webinars. And while you're on the internet, why not head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado, and there you can find out all about an IT Pro TV subscription. Uh, you can get a 30% off coupon code and find out as well about features for your business. Uh, if you want to sign up a team, you can find out all about the Pro Portal and the other things that are available. Uh, to businesses at IT Pro TV. So that's go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, guys. Well, uh, again, thank you to our guests. I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time today, Neil and Oliver. And uh, thank you all, all of you guys as, as well for, you know, doing Showing the job. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so should we ask people to subscribe? Yeah, they can do that. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Well, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I thought you were Hit that notification no, bell. Yeah. Oliver said that's the thing that we're not doing. Oh, I did it? it think, as podcasters right. in general. Oh, oh, but you're the marketing That's guy. the end of like every single YouTube podcast. <laughs> All right, so mash that, that subscribe bell. button. Hit that uh, notification folks, bell. Hit, yeah. yeah, hit the bell and go to the... Um, well, we're, we're so more concerned about RSS than content. that. Yeah. yeah, head over to, uh, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Podbean. That's, that one's real. Okay. Any others I'm missing, Oliver? No, that's uh, it? That's it. You've covered all of them. That's all? There's okay. So There's so many. That's There's all the so aggregators. <laughs> all right, perfect, everybody. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.